What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Screen Heroes podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network, your TV and film podcast. I am Derek, your regular host, and I have with me my two lovely regular longtime hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. And she does a physical action that you cannot hear in your Oh, right. Ears we're, uh, you know, this we're is an podcast. audio format. <laughs> We're a podcast. Uh, my bad. This is episode yeah. 237 of the show. That's been the same format since episode six, but that's cool. Right, it's a, it's a right, right. <laughs> uh, we have a special episode for you this week. We are, of course, going to talk your latest entertainment news, and then we are following that up with a discussion on WandaVision episode four. We interrupt this program, and then at the tail end, we are celebrating Groundhog Day. By talking about the 1993 Bill Murray classic, Groundhog Day. Because we're recording this on Groundhog Day. We've never had that opportunity before. So I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Ray, why don't you kick us off? All right. So really fast, just because it's absolutely hilarious. Did you guys see Ted Cruz compare the left to Thanos and the Watchmen? I have no idea. Yeah, say I did. Yeah. Okay, so it's really funny. He says that uh, Democrats, liberals, blah blah blah, uh, paint people, capitalists, as you know, the bad guys always, and uh, uh, rabid environmentalists are the bad guys, and the view of the left is that humans are the disease. So we're we're basically. Thanos uh, well oh. uh, it's funny because the internet is like absolutely roasting him including people who were a part of you know Avengers like the Russos and uh, writers the sevens, probably because he yeah. gets into all that stuff yeah yeah and writers on the Watchmen so it's just really funny head over to Twitter to watch Ted Cruz get a spanking and not the not the sexy kind not the sexy kind the fun kind for us oh, uh, boy. yeah 
Uh, so that that was just brief. Let's talk more Avengers. So Disney Plus is adding yet another show to the, its roster, and it's going to be about the kingdom of Wakanda. Uh, Ryan Coogler is behind it all. He, of course, directed the first movie. He wrote the first movie. Uh, what do you guys want to see from this? What do you guys want it to focus on? Ryan, I'll let you take that. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. The most interesting parts of Black Panther to me were like the actual like cultural stuff. So I think I think uh, focus on that rather than like superheroes that come out of Wakanda. I think that would be interesting. Okay. You know, like it, it was kind of like a uh, what was that video game, Derek? That with uh, with Aloy, Horizon Zero Dawn. It was kind of like that thing where you have like. A, what seemingly is kind of a primitive culture but they have like very advanced there's like very advanced technology around them mm-hmm. um which is kind of an interesting premise in itself that's why it's been done a few times but not necessarily as well as something on disney plus could do um so yeah I, i'd like to see something more focused on like the actual culture around wakanda and the day-to-day so that's good i know there is a good chunk of people that want to see uh the like Nakia and her spy missions and more of the Dora Milaje. So yeah, they were really cool. That's true. Right? Yeah. That would be neat to see. Derek. Sorry. I was working on a a slight technical issue. Uh, So just go ahead and and continue on and I will join in the conversation as soon as I can. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah. So (laughs) I wasn't quite prepared for that. I figured that you would have like some uh, thoughts. Uh, Okay, so moving on. Derek, do you actually, not Derek, excuse me, Ryan, uh, earlier today, Zack Snyder like posted an image of the Joker behind like some frosty filter. Do you consider that a tease or is that... Like, what is that? Do you think it matters? I mean, people are calling it a tease. I guess it's a tease in the same way that uh, Heath Ledger's tease was, like when they had the exact same thing, like him with frosted glass mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the makeup on the glass or whatever. I don't know. It was cool. And, like, I'm excited to see what Zack Snyder's Joker looks like. But I don't know. I don't really need a tease for a character who's probably going to be in the movie for 45 seconds. You yeah. Know? I agree. He, his caption is more intriguing to me because he says that, he said, congratulations on creating a fantastic character. And then he tags Jared Leto and David Ayer or like hashtag because neither of them are on Vera. Right. But I mean that it was David Ayers and Jared Lowe's take on the Joker right. and he just kind of although this is supposedly a totally different take so it's really just the same actor and I, from what right. I understand people think that he's like ripping off uh some of the other Joker's looks so I don't know interesting I think that's kind of silly because I mean Joker's always been a guy or almost always been a guy in makeup so yeah. uh, how do you really yeah, yeah. It's like it's like saying that like the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy ripped off the Batman look. Like it's a DC Batman movie. Like what do you want him to look like? Yeah, it's not really a great Batman movie, but 
you know my point though that wasn't a criticism like right of all the criticisms those movies had it wasn't he looks too much like batman right right that wasn't a criticism so it just seems weird to criticize snyder for making the joker look like the joker yeah you know like, there's gonna be yeah, things apparently to they wanted a whole different they wanted a whole different look for him that's nothing like they've ever seen before i mean it's I don't know. I don't really get that okay. criticism, but yeah, I don't know. I I think when there's going to be things to criticize, like that just seems like you're just wanting to f- fight about something. I'm yeah. sure his clown face paint will look different, like a different clown than the other ones. So, I mean, look the last time, the last time we had a Joker that looked completely different from all of the other Jokers was Jared Leto, and people hated it. So that's not true. Joaquin Phoenix looked really different he had a completely different color scheme he did have a different color scheme but he still was much closer in line with previous jokers with the face paint being kind of clown-esque you know jared leto's was like the real departure it was it absolutely was but i think jared leto and joaquin phoenix both departed from the purple and green kind of look so that's true it worked um so speaking of they also dropped the debut date for uh the justice league right it's march 18th snyder cut of justice league yeah yeah of course yes march 18th 2021 on hbo max four hour long cut one giant cut is being dropped there are rumors it'll release on disc at some point in the near future as well Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've got that to look forward to. How are we handling that as a network, Derek? Do you want to talk about that so people know what to expect? I do want to talk about that. So normally we do an episode, right? And we've got our news and our main topic. And recently we've started to kind of add on a third piece of that when we have something else to discuss. Like t- this week we're doing Groundhog Day. Well, because the Snyder Cut is four hours and because it's releasing the day before the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we don't want to put everything into one episode. We don't think it'll do either topic justice, no pun intended, and we don't want it to be a three-hour-long episode. So instead, what we're going to do is record two different episodes that week. We are going to release two different Screen Heroes episodes the week following the release of the Snyder Cut and the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We know we will be doing our normal one live on Tuesday that week. Uh, the other one may or may not be live. Um, we'll we'll kind of see what happens there. But we will be releasing two separate episodes that week in March. So you can expect that on, I'm going to look up the dates. The dates are March 23rd and March 24th. So there you go. That's what we're doing. Two really good episodes so we can dive into the Snyder cut and we can dive into the premiere of Falcon and the winter soldier. And if anything ties in the WandaVision or not. So there you go. So make sure you dive in ASAP so that you can uh, chat with us live. Cause we're going to have at least for, for sure with Snyder's justice league, we're going to have a lot to talk about whether it's good, whether it's bad, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all have our opinions on how it's going to be, but uh, you know, the truth will be fun to discuss. I mean, if it turns out that it's a four-hour movie that we have nothing to say about, that's that would be shocking. That would be a discussion worthy in itself, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moving on. All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
Did we talk about Ray Fisher being completely out of the flash at this point? I thought we did. Okay. Yeah, we, we did discuss that. Now, he has been uh, supportive and is sharing and promoting the Snyder Cut, though right. he wants nothing to do with the current Warner Brothers CEO on any future projects, but he is wanting to support Snyder. So That's fair. I mean, Snyder has been very supportive of him, so I completely understand that. And they did confirm, Snyder confirmed that Booyah – cyborg's catchphrase from teen titans has been removed from uh this version God. of the justice league since it was never intended to be in snyder's version of the justice league and um uh, i mean honest i don't have strong feelings about that either way but people seem to be really really happy or really really pissed about that right ryan seems happy i'm happy it didn't suit the movie at all it was just stupid and forced yeah, and I, I and it doesn't that there's no way that that could suit the tone of Zack Snyder's movie if it didn't even suit the tone of Joss Whedon's like, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I guess like Ray Fisher was fine, but my problem with him is he didn't really emote like at all because he hated doing it. <laughs> I mean, that's what we'll see in this version, right? Like, if, right. is that the reason, or is there something else? Right. Oh, I was um, talking specifically about the booyah. I thought that's what you were talking about, too. <laughs> Supposedly, he hated doing that line, and he fought <laughs> against it. Yeah. So I figured he just meant he didn't emote during that line. Well, he didn't. He that's sits true. there, he, like, looks slightly off camera, and he's like, booyah. He, like, he really hates his life? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if somebody is supposed to hate their life, Cyborg would be the one. Like, dad turned him into a monster, but okay. All right. So, uh, I guess it's, you know, screen heroes adjacent. There's there's all this stuff going on within the last couple of days about Marilyn Manson. And Evan Rachel Wood has... uh, come forward with abuse allegations during their relationship. Well, because of it, he has been dropped by Creepshow and American Gods, uh, his appearances. So even if he's already filmed them, they're gone. They're out of there. And uh, a couple of his other exes have come forward, including Rose McGowan, saying that she supports Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, He's also been dropped by his... Uh, record label so really the only one in his corner right now is oh who's a crazy lady that was married to uh kurt cobain Uh, she's in hole not remembering her name okay who is Marilyn Manson supposed to be in American Gods? Uh, doesn't say. He was uh, okay. just going to make an appearance. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, good on those companies for doing that. Courtney Love. Oh, okay. Cor- Courtney Love's the only one in his corner. And when Courtney Love's the only one in your corner, you know, time to rethink your friends. Now, for what it's worth, he did come out and say that everything that happened in those relationships was consensual. Yes. He did. Right now he said that uh, I think his quote was uh, what she said is a horrible distortion of reality. Lovely. 
Lovely. Yeah. So I'm sure. So we'll we, you know, I don't. I don't want to jump into judgment like you know happened with Johnny Depp and some of those. I mean, what what was being said sounds pretty terrible, and I certainly hope that you know that didn't actually happen to her. But I also don't want you know it, it's. I hate these situations. Yeah. You know, but you know, I, I we've made mistakes jumping in, or at least I have with an opinion too early and uh you know i'm kind of waiting to see how it develops i mean to be completely honest i'm not surprised that marilyn manson turned out to be kind of a piece of shit but at the same time he has been under public scrutiny since and in the public eye since he was 19 and he's now 58 like that has to warp somebody uh, he was even blamed for the Columbine shootings, mm-hmm. and which he actually handled really well, if I remember he, correctly. He did, but that's going to take a toll on your mental health, and for sure, like we don't know what the things he has been through publicly have done to his mental health, and if he has used that against people as an outlet. Which, you know, just because you're abused doesn't mean you can't abuse others. So it's not an excuse, but it's just impossible to know the full story. Right. Um, So I'm not defending him by any means. The allegations are really disgusting, but it's, it's just an odd situation that... You know, like, he's obviously been through a lot. Same with, you know, like, Michael Jackson's the poster boy for this kind of stuff. He was raised under public scrutiny. We all know his dad was super abusive. And he grew up having a very abnormal childhood and career. So in his adulthood, he didn't process things correctly or healthily. So Marilyn Manson could be the exact same. It doesn't excuse his actions, but... You know, it explains. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, well. Oh, also, can... Dustin Diamond died. Oh, yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about Dustin Diamond uh, going into the hospital for stage four lung cancer. And uh, this week he has succumbed to it. So. 44 years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 44, quite young. Some of his Saved by the Bell uh, castmates had some comforting things to say. Uh, about it but you know very young and cancer's gotta be one of if not the worst way to go so not something you would wish on a person right well on that uplifting note uh break break no break break you just die on division like that that's way too depressing is there nothing else that we can talk about we can talk about ghostbusters afterlife so ernie hudson's been interviewed recently about the upcoming ghostbusters sequel and uh he has basically confirmed that the winston character gets more fleshed out in this film and becomes a full realized character which i think a lot of people like myself are are excited to learn more about who he is since he kind of felt sidelined in the original two movies literally cropped out of scenes (laughs) yeah on the home tv release yeah yeah uh ryan i'm sure you're happy about that oh yeah i mean ernie hudson's always been like the biggest supporter of ghostbusters fandom and been carrying the torch so 
yeah, anything that he gets, I'm happy for. He also, I think it was him, made a comment a few weeks ago in an interview that's, that was something along the lines of Rick Moranis might be in the movie. He he basically said, I'm going to leave it to the producers to say. Yeah, which that is a weird comment. Like, yeah. instead of just saying, no, he's not in it. It is a really weird comment, and I don't understand it because, like, when you look at, like, Marvel, Marvel's been very secretive about things. People just lie. Right? Yeah, they just say no. They just say no, and they move on, and we're never going to be mad that they hid that from us as part of the fun of the of the reveal. So I'm very curious why he answered it that way. <laughs> right, because other people have just said no. Yeah. So, and you know, like that gives us a little this. bit of... Like, he's no stranger to these interviews. So, yeah, it's weird. Also, put Ernie people... Hudson in the Wakanda show, please. Oh, that would be cool. He played uh, the god Poseidon in Once Upon a Time, and it was so much fun. He's a good actor. Yeah, like He he's, is. He's kind of a bit actor at this point, but he he's he's good. And, you I know, agree. I'd like to see him get some more you know, high, like, you know, Carl Weathers in the Mandalorian, you know, he was, not, he's not done a ton since the eighties. So bring, seeing him come back was awesome. You know, bring back some of these character guys that are, you know, good actors and just aren't really getting their due. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I agree. Well, I'm definitely at the point where I'm on board with giving more roles to actors who are excited about the content, right? Exactly. Who are like borderline, if not fans themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because they bring that passion to it. They bring those that that knowledge and that interest to the interviews and to the conventions and all that type of stuff. And it helps it helps build what what those fandoms are. And I think that's why a lot of people like me are excited to see Ernie Hudson's character get more of a background because we love him. We we like how he's handled everything over the years, even if the movies didn't treat him well. For the most part, I am a huge fan of celebrities and actors advocating for themselves, using social media to be like, hey, man, I want to play this role because it just seems like a lot of fun. And that's what I would be doing. I mean, we've all joked about that on the podcast. We're like, hey, Hollywood, hire us to write scripts. So That's right. We'll advocate the hell out of ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There are very few times where I'm like, oh, you are batting out of your league. But you know that's that's me kind of beating being an elitist fan girl but, true well yeah. look we, there's some good news it was basically confirmed that elizabeth olsen as wanda is showing up in spider-man 3 which i think is confirmation enough that we're all in spider-man 3 at this point yeah so you know yeah i heard your confirmation the other day babe it was really exciting <laughs> yeah you're playing mr freeze right there yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, I'm definitely playing one of the Mr. Freezes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're playing, crossing uh, DC over. It's going to be great. Well, my role is Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. Nice, nice. I'm yeah. just playing myself. Yes! <laughs> There's a podcast scene where you don't really see the other hosts, but you just see me in the same room. It's really great. Perfect. I, I think I'm on with J. Jonah Jameson at the time. Yes, but, yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. As it you know, be. Funny thing, I feel like we're going to see in the show uh, or the movie soon, especially now that J.K. Simmons is back. So Jay Jonah was just elected mayor of New York in the comics. 
And I feel like that could really ramp up the tension between him and Peter. I don't think he needs that. Like, <laughs> there's already enough tension. If you played the game uh, or the the Sony games, uh, yeah. they are do a really good job with like the way current social media and stuff is, and uh, how current podcasts and things work to, uh, to like bring a ton of tension between him and Spider Man. So, I, I mean, I don't. I, that would be a one way to do it for sure. Yeah. In the comics. It's, they've probably never done that before, so that's one of the few avenues they can go where they haven't done it. But, you know, I don't know. It might be a little overkill for the movie. <laughs> All right, so now with that, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're talking WandaVision Episode 4. We interrupt this program, and then we'll be back after that to talk Groundhog Day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, and we're back. We are here talking WandaVision Episode 4. We interrupt this program. Lots of stuff happened in this one, I think, especially compared to... The previous episodes, it's got a 9.1 on IMDb, which is pretty high praise at this point. What'd you guys think? Improvement? Is the, sh- is the show going in a good direction at this point? Yeah, I think uh, I think if I was like telling people to wait to watch the show until they can get a good binge on it going, now would be the time I tell them to go ahead and binge the first four episodes because... You know, we had we had talked about in the past that this show might have been better in a binge uh, type environment rather than uh, the way it is with just like weekly episodes. And a lot of people are kind of waiting until they could binge the whole thing. But I don't think they need to. I think now is probably a good time. Of course, the whole series hasn't come out, so that could change. But now is probably a good time uh, for them to get into it because now you know now there's things to talk about week to week. The first three weeks there wasn't as much, but this week adds a lot to where you're like, okay, now I can discuss this with my friends. Like you can the Mandalorian and some of the other shows. Yeah. Ray, anything you want to add to that? No, it was a fine episode. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) So, I mean, kind of the main, the main focus of this episode is to, new characters to the show but not to the mcu and that's uh darcy lewis and jimmy Wu, played by kat dennings and randall park they both return as their their previous characters and um 
we get to kind of see what's happening outside of Westview. We get to see how they've been trying to infiltrate Westview. We get to see, you know, the how the, the, the beekeeper shows up, for example. We get to see Sword for the first time, really. Yes, yes, we do. What do you got? What do you guys think of Sword? Do you think I have some I have some opinions on Sword, but at the moment, Sword is not very different from Shield. <laughs> I'm. And that's fine. They had one episode of 30 minutes to set it up. So I'm just waiting to see its departure. But, you know, I mean, we've also seen a little bit in Far From Home, which shows they have a space base built up, which takes place after this one. So likely, I imagine at this point, S.W.O.R.D. is a pretty new organization. Um, But, well, yeah, it it is very S.H.I.E.L.D.-like at this point. I mean, we don't know how new it is, I guess. We know that Monica's kind of raised in it. That's mentioned in the show because her mother create, helped create S.W.O.R.D. And so we have to assume well, it's... That that tells you that it's fairly new because that means that it's occurred after the 90s or like late 90s. Right. And, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. was created in the 40s. That's true. If you're comparing it to S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I mean, that that's yeah. a fair that's a fair point. I think you have to compare it to Shield. That's the you know, I mean they're very similar in so far. So I think my my biggest problem with Sword really has nothing to do with the organization. It has to do with a writing trope that just I'm kind of bored with. And it's where you have a highly advanced, highly sophisticated intelligence agency that's filled with nothing but very sharp, very smart experts. But the people in charge are still like total assholes to everybody and like constantly cutting people off and talking down to them like they've hired a bunch of morons. And I hate it. Are you talking about Hayward? Was that his name? I, I forgot his name, but um, yeah, I think that guy's like, I think he, I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty big part in this in terms of like the villain of the series. And I mean, I guess that's, I have theories on that. I guess that's fine. And we could talk about that for sure. It's just like, it's just kind of an old trope of the, the mean boss in this situation. And it's just, it's just boring. There's no reason for Darcy's character to have friction or, or anything like that for trying Why to like, bring do her, her job. on as an expert. If you are going to like belittle the way she does things. Yeah. I just, I'm just kind of sick of that. And I'm not saying it would be necessarily bad if he ends up being the villain, but it's like, we just got sword. So to immediately turn like the leader, the boss into the bad guy just seems kind of a bummer since we already had shield completely fall apart in the movies, you know? I mean, yeah, I I don't think that that's exactly what happens, but I think that he like made a deal with the devil to become the leader of sword and like Mephisto essentially. So he wasn't, he isn't really like, I mean, I don't know. It's not, not a good thing to do, but it's also not like, uh, an evil Nazi organization being impregnated into your uh, your government organization for 60, 70, whatever, however many years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think uh, I, I definitely see your point. And maybe I'm completely off base with that. But the, but uh, he definitely, like, the way he reacts with Monica um, mm-hmm. coming back and things like that lend me to believe that – uh, lead me to believe that he is – there's something – extra weird going on with him he also knows a lot about things he probably shouldn't know a lot about i don't know like what? we'll see how it plays out well like he knows about uh the cmbr radiation like 
I I know he sword is like an intergalactic thing, but like the rate specific radiation that came from the Big Bang seems like that's an oddly specific thing for him to know about. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know what a, I mean? Yeah. When they brought this professional astrophysicist on board, and she the first or is that what she? I can't remember what she was. She was some sort of scientist, astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she like the first thing she does is test for CMBR, and then like he knows all about that this exists, but didn't think they should test for it. Well, there was, she got there, there was another dude who looks just like Hayward who like, didn't know what she was talking about at first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like when she was just a random underling, she's the one that asks him for the coffee and the like old TV. Right. But like, he's a jerk too. Yeah. He is. And like his job is just to show her where her workstation is. Right. And he's asking her, grilling her all these questions and she's trying to answer them. He's being a jerk the entire time. Right. So it's like both dudes in charge. You know, and it just, I don't know. I'm just a little over that. Like, either be on the same team or don't. Right. At this point. That's a fair complaint. But, I mean, in real life, a lot of bosses are dicks. So, and, <laughs> yeah. and co-workers are dicks. So, I mean, I don't really right. see. Uh, it, it is a trope, but, like, it's also kind of real. So, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I don't have as big of a problem with it. I guess I just want to see these people be better. To me, the weirdness from Hayward came off when he was kind of explaining to Monica that he took the position reluctantly because it should have been hers. That to me does not sound like nobody ever in these situations truly means that, you know, it, it totally came off like a false humility. He also sent her off on this mission that should have been handled by a much lower level employee, mm-hmm. right? With a missing persons and potentially he knew more. I mean, look at shield, right? Nick Fury always knew so much about everything going on. There was no questions in his mind. He knew basically everything. And to think that sword wouldn't know that something a little bit crazier than, than a missing persons case was going on. I mean, I'm pretty sure he knew that he was sending her into something more dangerous than what uh, what what he led it to be. That is very likely. I was thinking something get, to get her out of the way, work. right? Because the whole like the the vanish, the blipped, whatever they have to stay grounded is you know Maria said so. That makes sense on the surface, but why something so small like this? Right. Well, it's also her very very first assignment back after being gone for five years right so like she doesn't really know how the world has changed she doesn't know any new protocols she's already missed some protocols um you know that that have happened during her absence so i I wouldn't want to immediately send her out into out into space or anything either i'd want to kind of let her get her feet under her you know yeah send her to work a missing persons fbi case well grounding is one thing but like yeah uh a one person missing for somebody so higher level, somebody who was going to be the leader of sword. Right. I mean, I, the FBI called sword though. Right. So it wasn't like sword decided to interject. That's what he said. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what happened. No, but at this point, like he might be an ass, but I don't have a reason to like distrust him yet from that standpoint, other than just being out for himself. Right. I don't have any reason to believe that he is evil or like an, an actual bad guy in the superhero universe. Right. So 
It just seems like they had to do this. This is her very first. She's literally the first person back from the blip, right? So this is the very first assignment they're putting any of these people on. Playing it safe doesn't seem like a horrible idea. So I just want to be clear that when he turns out to be a bad guy, you're going to eat your words. No, and if he's the bad guy, it's obviously a different connotation. Right. I'm just saying you're going to be ready to admit that when it happens. I'm admitting it and now. Saying that you were you were you were right, Ryan. You were right. No, I'm admitting that. That's all now. I want to hear. That's all I want to hear, though. When it, is that when that happens, you're going to say you were right, Ryan. Sure. Okay. Perfect. I mean, he's not. But <laughs> that's that scene with her coming back was yeah. really cool. By the way, that's probably one of the coolest scenes in the MCU, in my opinion. Seeing I... like how crazy it was in this hospital when she like comes back together and like all the panic it was very walking dead like uh and, and, like when rick wakes up from the the you know coma or whatever he was in that was really cool in my opinion i really liked the juxtaposition because it was played for laughs in far from home mm-hmm. and here incredibly serious going like how serious how horrific it actually was when people vanished right and yeah, and, and it was, I think that was needed, right? Because, mm-hmm. we, you know, when we think of the snap and all the people coming back, it raises a lot of questions uh, and a lot of them don't have answers. But now we're starting to get some answers as to what like really happened to people when, when the snap, the second snap happened or the fourth and snap, I guess it was however many snaps there were. All the, the problem with the Avengers movie, I've talked about this before that the macro scope of everything tends to desensitize us so when we get down to the nitty-gritty and we focus on the really serious things that happen the car crashes the helicopter crash the the person uh, who wasn't there when their mom died because they were snapped away mm -hmm, the hospital situation then the actual extinguishing of half of the life in the universe is incredibly more serious than it was at the end of infinity war yeah absolutely i mean it's easy to forget the scale and like you know Mm -hmm. because of the scale the the smaller things that people would have missed and like how personal it was and so i think that thing was really really great and it really is it also is just really beautiful like the cg or you know when her face is like reforming and whatnot i that that was really well done they handled it all really well compared to like the end of Mandalorian yeah. surprise that wasn't handled so well. Um, I don't want to spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen it, but the, the the cameo that shows up at the end, this was much better. I mean, this looked very, very good. The audio that played while she was reforming. Oh, yeah, with uh, her mom? Of, of Carol and Maria talking. Oh, was it Carol and Maria? Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Is I didn't watch the episode on Friday. I watched it on Saturday, and... I saw something that was like Brie Larson appears in WandaVision. Brie Larson had one of her lines (laughs) recorded from Captain Marvel playing. Yeah. Like on top of music. So it was a like pay attention or it's not there kind of thing. So, but it was in the moment really beautiful. I wouldn't have called it a cameo, even if Brie got like a $5 check from it. Like, but it, it was really interesting that like her mind goes to the first time she realized there were aliens and you know watching her heroes her mom and her mom's best friends right 
So I had some other things on my list. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Okay. So um, in our, in our personal screen heroes uh, chat, we do chat. I said something about, I don't, didn't think Darcy was a, an astrophysics major or astrophysics. She wasn't. She was not. She was a political science major. And so that was good to remember. I think it's interesting that after meeting Thor, uh, she decided to focus on the bigger picture. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that's really cool that she just changed uh, her entire major. It is also really impressive that she became a doctorate uh, or got her doctorate in eight years for something that she wasn't even involved in. It's so more than eight she... years, though, because there's the five year time jump. Yeah, this this show is like it's uh, like uh, two years ahead of us. Got it. Still impressive. That's right. That's right. I yeah. mean, getting getting a degree like that is is you know hard in any capacity. So because yeah. like it's twenty twenty three right now in WandaVision, isn't it? Uh, twenty twenty two, I think. No, well, the snap just happened, so or yeah, the, the it would be twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. So um, so she's really she was really like twelve years. Which is yeah. totally realistic. And she was not the greatest character in the Thor movies. Um, she was just there to make people laugh. Yes. Like, they and gave her all the one-liners. She was. She is much better in this show, I think. More fleshed out, which is fine. I mean, she's a character that has now matured and gone through a lot of things, I imagine. So it, it works. And I like her a lot more in this than I did in the Thor movies. So mm-hmm. um, that's good. I was hoping for something like that when they announced she was going to be on the show. Well, it really helps that they, they gave her a legitimate purpose for being there. You know, she's an expert in something that's valuable to the plot. Whereas, right. you know, before she was just, she was kind of there. I'm still unclear why she was even there in the first Thor movie. If she's a political science major, you know, well, they said it was, um, it, it, it was an offhanded comment. Cause somebody asks, I think, uh, Stellan Skargard's character asked, and she said, you know, it was the only internship I could get or something. Yeah, like something that. she was doing for the course credit or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and that's just, that's a very flimsy kind of thing to throw in there. So this is much better, you know, that's all. Sure. She's in there. She's, she's an authority immediately. So the things that she's saying have weight on what's happening. Absolutely. Next on my list, I had, so we talked about that radiation um so they said that that was a heavy form of radiation that happened during the big bang theory or during the big bang that formed the universe Uh well in dr strange wong explains that the infinity stones came when the big bang happened they were formed during the big bang so the fact that wanda can has some control over the cmbr radiation that was potentially involved in the creation of the Infinity Stones, I think is going to play a role into how Vision comes back and she's going to be able to reform the Mind Stone. Having had the experience of destroying the Mind Stone, I feel like that gave her some insight into that and she's going to be able to make it back from that. So far, we have seen her powers manipulate most of the same things that the Infinity Stones also manipulate we've seen her uh change reality we've seen her change uh time we have seen her uh mind control 
So there's, I think Wanda's powers are a culmination of all of the Infinity Stones together. Now, maybe it's not the same amount of power, but just, I, that's my theory. It's also worth noting that her powers came from the Mind Stone. Yes. Uh, because they were experimenting on the tesser with the Tesseract on her and her brother. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if they're mutants. We haven't discovered that yet. But, you know, the, whatever that, something with that unlocked their power or their potential or whatever. So, um, you know, the fact that she she's more intimately familiar with the Mind Stone than she is with any of the other stones. So I think that that's how they're going to bring Vision back or how they're going to explain that the Mind Stone has come back. So yeah. before we move on from that, I want to ask you guys then, because we see kind of a pretty like dark moment where she's oh, man. picturing Creepy. Vision as like dead, right? With the stone ripped out of his forehead, his eyes glazed over. Right? Is he dead or is he not? So I want to talk about this a bit because I'm worried that the truth isn't going to make sense when you think about it. So right now, We've now confirmed that she has taken over an actual town filled with actual people called Westview, and she is using these people. She is controlling them in some capacity to live out this world, and she has been able to modify this world, the color scheme. She's been able to to change the objects that are there and the time period aesthetically that it exists in, but Vision is there. So here's, here's my question. If Vision is not back to life, if he is just a figment of her imagination, but like, you know, realized, why would she need to take over people and why not just build a town if they're not real? And with that in mind, I think that is why Vision has to be back because she was able to recreate him, reform him using all of those abilities and then she's just controlling the others. Thoughts? I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, you make good points. I mean, I don't know exactly the answer at this point. Right. My, my, my thoughts are mostly like, is, I think the things I've seen online are like more questions about is Vision a, like, is it he created the way we've seen him in her fake reality? Or is he, like, a puppeteered dead body? Is she, did she actually, like, is she, is she, like, puppeteering his dead body around and she for, got a quick glimpse of, like, something beyond her, uh, beyond, beyond her illusions? Like, she saw through her illusions for a second. Yeah. Or was it a vision of vision? Well, that's a good um, point. I hadn't considered her using his dead body. And since he's an android, it's not like it would be decomposing after five years. So that's a very interesting point that I had. No, but she also did have sex with him. Yeah. So she's been kissing him in but every she, episode. She literally, there was the scene where they were under the covers together and it like yeah. did the old sitcom like black screen. Right. You know, yeah. sex scene. So, I mean, that I initially thought that it was uh that it was just like a vision a vision that she got like a memory that was triggered um but then like there's a preview for the next episode that came out that showed him like outside of the bubble and it looks like he's that dying vision or like that dead vision um like it's a really far away and you can barely see it but it looks to me like he had the hole in his forehead so, I mean, I don't know. I really hope they don't go, like, 
the Wonder Woman 84 kind of dark, darker option that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm worried that that's the case. Man, how weird of a coincidence would that be? I know, right? I mean, uh, it's not quite the same situation, no, but no, it's it's not. But it's still that's still dark. I had not considered her using his dead body. That never crossed my mind. So. I mean, in theory, after the events of Infinity War, the body would have gone somewhere, right? Like, sure, but I mean, you know, they're what... not just gonna like let it go. Yeah, but at the same time, well, okay, so that does lead to some interesting questions because she would have had to have get to have gotten it. It probably would have been under some kind of surveillance, right? And uh, you would think so. You'd think that the Avengers and Sword would have just known she was doing something, Ray. What do you think? I don't know. The idea that she is just walking around with this corpse is super dark, right? Horrific. Yeah. Like, but God damn, it makes for a really good show. I know that makes it so much darker that I'm like, Disney would never do this. But then if they did, like, come on. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, it's just every week they answer like one question and give us 10 more. So it's just, I, I find it really troubling to try and theorize because it literally makes my brain hurt some days. So, so who's the villain? Hayward, Mephisto, Agatha Harkness, is Wanda the villain herself? Uh, Who are they setting up? Is it Wonder Man? Is it the Young Avengers? Is it uh, like just photon like so i i've kind of just enjoyed the show because <laughs> it's well you do that but we're here to make for an entertaining you. show by discussing things about it how dare you i and know theorizing right? okay right? so but up to piggyback off that we do at one point get to see a whiteboard on the back with jimmy woo yes asking a bunch of questions which is great because it's basically the same questions everybody else has been talking about in real life uh-huh. um but on that, first of all, Agnes, they have like a board with all IDs of the real people, mm-hmm. and Agnes has no ID mm-hmm. on there, but neither does Dolores. Is that her name? The Dottie. One that, Dottie. She also doesn't have one. She doesn't even have a paper up there. So that lends some weird questions there. But then yeah. also on They're that board. are still trying to figure it out. On that board, it mentions scrolls, which I thought was interesting because uh Wu is an FBI agent not a shield agent or a sword agent so clearly there's some general knowledge about scrolls at this point which i think is the first confirmation that we've gotten that like well somebody beyond nick fury knows well i guess we, uh, we know a few of the people from captain marvel know but i mean it could it couldn't maybe it's not general knowledge but it could be like FBI CIA knowledge but i mean that's compared to like you know, director of shield knowledge. That's a pretty like big True. thing. But you'd think like when, once shield fell, that information probably got disseminated to other branches. Yeah, that's no. true. Yeah. Well, and we know that like black widow hacked, you know, the, the shield computers and released all the information on the internet and that, and the scroll thing happened in the nineties. So. That's true. Yeah. They never really follow up with what the fallout is. That. right which is weird because that would be a huge deal <laughs> right you think so like wikileaks type stuff you know yeah yeah they don't really ever dive into that that's interesting get on that marvel we need to know 
but, but I think that that would be that would be possible that the public or at the very least like some informa information services would have pretty decent working knowledge on the scrolls. And I think that's interesting. Um, it may come into play in secret wars and whatnot. The the list uh, he's writing also includes what's with the hexagons. Right, which uh, is interesting because there are a lot of hexagons on the show, including the actual shape of the town is a hexagon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. It was almost like Marvel was like, okay, so these are the questions we want people to ask. So if they haven't been asking them, this is their They will cue. now. <laughs> yeah, they will now. We're going we're gonna to make them ask these questions. Which is clever. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, it's good. Uh, the only other thing I had on my list was lost episodes of the show of the actual sitcoms that Wanda is making, because they reference at one point, Darcy references that she uh, washes dishes or does laundry, something along those lines once, once an episode. But at that point, we'd only, we'd only seen two episodes, right. I think. Um, and there's, mm -hmm. there's a couple other like things you see in the background that lend a, to the belief that there's probably some episodes that we aren't seeing. Yep. We're only really seeing the important ones. So I'm curious to know what happens in those other episodes. And Disney, please release some of those just as like bonus content, one shots or whatever. Well, that's where it gets kind of difficult, right? Because the idea would be that other than when they're sleeping, the show should be going. Right. right. And when she is sleeping, I don't know necessarily. Like a Truman show thing. It would be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, when she's sleeping, I mean, maybe everything's just shut down and everybody's like trapped or something i don't know but you would think then that there would be hundreds of hours of content if she's been there for you know a couple of weeks mm -hmm. right you know and this is three weeks after endgame give or take so she's been there probably two weeks maybe longer maybe you know something like that so there'd be a lot of content i would i would think but, thing. but then you can see that when she edits things, right, like the beekeeper, yes. for example, um, that gets edited in the broadcast, right, that Darcy right. is watching. So there's like missing frames. There's chunks that are missing. And so I thought that was kind of interesting because it starts. To, oh, it absolutely is. Who right? like who is editing? It? Is it Wanda that's editing the output or is somebody like Mephisto just letting out what, you know, the edit is? You know, I, these are things that I wonder about. Maybe it's obvious to other people, but I mean, I, I thought they basically confirmed it was Wanda. Well, yeah. she's the one doing the editing in the show, like inside. But the fact that that doesn't broadcast, I feel like somebody else might be controlling the actual broadcast. Why... I know she's what's making the things happen. Why would Mephisto want to broadcast that? Do you think he'd be better off with it not being broadcast? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of questions about the show that I have, so I will hopefully get those answered, or maybe it's not a big deal at all. I don't know. I'm just trying to theorize things that are interesting to discuss and, uh, you know, I guess may I have an impact in the show. I just assume that Wanda is accidentally broadcasting this because she's basing it off of television, and so it's it's not even conscious that it's being broadcast. Okay, Derek, I'm throwing yeah. shit at the wall and just seeing what sticks. I know, okay? I'm just... I'm just bouncing off of that i'm just wanting you to say wow ryan you got this and this and this right we'll see and then my life will be my life will be complete 
he he wants this all on record, Ray. So that way, at the yeah, end exactly. of episode nine, when we do, I can be like, I told you, we can go down the list, and I can be like, okay, Ryan, number three. Yep, that's right. Hey, number four. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but I did tell people to buy AMC stock like months ago. Months ago. Months. Ago. And now look at it. So whatever. Anyway. <laughs> How's your Dogecoin? <laughs> hey, don't worry about that. Anyway, <laughs> I do want to mention that there's a bunch of spoilers going around for supposed spoilers. Nothing's been confirmed yet, but supposedly episode five and maybe six leaked. And so, uh, you know, if you're worried about something getting spoiled for you or if you want something spoiled for you, they are floating around social media. Good. I know they were on Reddit for a while. Um, they've been floating around on Twitter. It's basically screenshots of a specific actor on set or on the show um so that it's a pretty big spoiler though so you know if you don't want that if you want to view it the way that they want you to view it you only have to wait a few more days so just stick with it you know yeah um so you know monica gets thrown out of westview and she's able to stay conscious long enough to explain that it's wanda that's doing everything and so that kind of is you know keying off everybody about like who's doing what at this particular point mm-hmm. um, and that's that was you know that catches us all up because basically this episode takes place during some previous content basically the the first three episodes of the show was there anything else that happened that you wanted to discuss before we move on to groundhog day oh yeah we're still doing that I, I just to pair a point go off your last point, Derek. Uh, Monica has no idea. I mean, she knows that Wanda is a big part of what's happening, but she doesn't. You know, if Mephisto or You're Agatha right. Harkness or something is behind the scenes, she has no way of knowing that. And would just attribute yes. that all to Wanda. So I think that may be a bit of a red herring, but uh, I guess we'll see. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Ray, anything? Groundhog else Day. Yeah, let's talk Groundhog Day. I think that's a good place to okay. stop. All right, well, then we will be right back to discuss Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. We'll be right back, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back. We are back. Thank you for staying with us. If you are still here, we are talking Groundhog Day, the 1993 bill murray led film uh it's a classic we're discussing it because we are actually recording on groundhog day i believe it's the first time that's ever happened for us so we thought we'd take advantage of that the film is is of course directed by harold ramus and uh written by harold ramus produced by harold ramus that's right and he plays the the doctor (laughs) Yeah, he he did a a little bit of everything with this movie. A little bit, yeah. Um, A good cast of people. Michael Shannon's got a very small bit role towards the end of of the film as well, which is pretty funny if you uh, see it now. And uh, yeah, let's, I guess, let's let's talk about it. Uh, When did you guys first see Groundhog Day? How long has Groundhog Day been in your life? Uh, Definitely as a kid. I would watch it with my family. We love that film. 
I don't actually remember the first time I watched it, to be, to be honest. So I don't know how long it's been in my life. I mean, definitely my entire adult life. I'd like to think I watched it as a kid, but I can't imagine I appreciated it for what it really was. Oh, yeah. Kid, you know, I definitely didn't even take into account the ethical situations that right or how long it may have actually been right. been happening i just assumed it was like three weeks or something well i didn't see it until high school i um bought the like the 2002 2003 edition of the dvd because it was a bill murray movie and it looked like fun so i didn't see it until i was probably 16 or give or take um but yeah i mean it was immediately one of one of my favorites so I guess let's let's dive into things. So we talk about like how long we think he was trapped, and there's a lot of theories about this. Ryan, I know you've got something based on some script stuff that didn't actually make it into the movie. Yeah, there was a screenwriter that was interviewed about the movie, and somebody asked him how long that Bill Murray is actually trapped. And apparently in the original screenplay, he there's a throwaway line where he said that uh, he'd been trapped and waiting for her for 10,000 years. Um, so that, that was interesting to me. Obviously any reference to that has been cut out and it's been made to seem like it's not 10,000 years. I think 10,000 years would be a lot darker of a movie than this, even this dark movie already is. But, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. I think somebody, other people have done the math and said it's like 35 years or something along those lines because of the amount of time it takes to learn the skills that he learned. That's definitely my math would be somewhere around 35 years, maybe a little bit longer, depending on like how many people there are in town and and stuff like that. Um, Because, you know, they say that to become an expert in something or a master of of a skill, it takes about 10,000 hours, which is about nine years, depending on how much time you would spend each day working on it. So if you figure he's a a master pianist, a master ice sculptor, he learns, you know, French and uh, he's a poetry expert you know that right there is four different things so that's you know brings you into into the 30s already and that doesn't include knowing everybody in town that doesn't include learning all of the patterns like uh, stealing the money right off of like the brinks truck or whatever it is uh, and it doesn't include how many times he has to redo things like the date right when he gets you know the drink wrong and he gets the um the drink too wrong and you know it just kind of keeps going every time that she slaps him all that type of stuff um so i think 35 years is a reasonable guess but it could be a little bit longer too but i would say yeah 10,000 just that would that would have to be just like completely insane i don't know if a person could come back from that i mean even 35 years is tough to imagine coming back from but yeah 10,000 is a whole other level what do you think, Ray? How long was he trapped? Um, I think 35 is definitely a bit closer, maybe like 50, 60. But like you said, there's a lot of evidence that he's been there for a while. Yeah, because I mean, he does have like the, the whole the whole like suicidal route where he tries to kill himself every way possible. There's the trying to <laughs> and save. And of course, the... yeah, we see him kill himself a lot less than uh he actually said that he did mm-hmm. yeah he mentioned he'd been stabbed and burned and you shot. know all those shot all these other things that we didn't see so exactly yeah and then the, you know he tries to save the old man and that doesn't work and we don't really know how long he tried to do that uh, i feel like he never gave up on that 
I feel like every single day, once he tried to save him, he continued to try and save him. Because, you know, by the end, he was catching the little boy and helping Buster and doing the Heimlich and everything. So it just leads me to believe that he kept trying to do good. So maybe he knew that he was always going to die, but instead he just decided that he was going to give him a good last day. Could be. Yeah. That's very possible. And I think that's kind of like, we, we talk about like what breaks the cycle, right? And, you know, most people look at it as him finally getting Rita, Andy McDowell's character. But I don't know that that's really necessarily what it is as much as he's finally decided to just do the best he can, right? He's not really going after her in that final version of the day. He's doing everything he can in town that he's learned that he needs to do to try and be happy, to try and help people and, and all those different types of things. And she likes all of that, right? That's That impresses her. But I feel like that's almost a side effect. Yeah, me too. For sure. I don't know if we have an answer to this, but I've always wondered, what do you think causes him to get stuck? So this was also in a deleted scene. He, um, It was written that he had a curse placed on him by a witch and uh, Harold Ramis ended up cutting it because he thought one that the I guess unnecessary explanation was just better that all of us just guessing Maybe it's just because he's a dick, but also because it brought an a weird, like, supernatural or silliness to it all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of like the fact that it's ambiguous and you can just kind of guess. Was it because he was a nasty guy? Like, what, what was it? You know, I kind of like that aspect of it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like to think that... Punk Satani is purgatory and it fucks with every outside. And there's there are theories about that too. I mean, you know, there's nothing yeah. to say that, you know, other people haven't gone through the same thing or are doing the same thing. So Yeah, I mean one could argue that since he becomes a better person and he gets the girl at the end, that maybe he's actually dead the entire time and getting the girl is just his version of heaven. He's not really alive. Yeah. Like right. The story of Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill, you know, it's way better if it's not a boulder and a hill. Yeah. If you don't know that you're being punished. Right. Right. And I think that that kind of works. It it forces, it's a good way to allow not so great people to grow and become better. And if you haven't watched The Good Place yet, I would highly recommend you go watch The Good Place, uh, especially if you like some of that philosophical type stuff. Uh, this is easily and, just as weird and uh, raunchy and campy, and it, like it's a lot of fun. So it same wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Now, Ray, you mentioned some some problematic stuff, some problematic behavior that um, Phil. Nice. 
Yeah, we talked privately, of course, because, you know, we're husband and wife. We watched the movies together. <laughs> I'm sorry this is how you're finding out, but My you God. were the one to propose. When did this so, happen? Okay. Too much. Uh, All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so what he does with Nancy has got to be rape. It It has to be. But is a rape also with Rita. Now, like, he doesn't actually have sex with Rita ever, but he is calculating and deceiving her. So there's some sketchiness to all of that. It's tough because, like, she probably in the moment is consenting to the sex. So, you know, it's definitely manipulated. Well, it's false Um, pretenses. Sure. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's... Like yeah, he lies about it's who problematic he is. for it's, sure. It's the same as the Revenge of the Nerds sex, right? He, the Darth Vader thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you're not wrong. The thing is, though, like with Rita, like yes, they don't have he doesn't have sex with Rita during the film, but based on the end of the movie, we have to assume that they do at some point. Yeah. And yes, he's a better person now, but how he got there is kind of sketchy and the things that he knows about her and the ways that he has become were very fueled by wanting to be with her. So it's not, I mean, if there is a spectrum, I guess that's not as bad necessarily as it is with Nancy, but I don't know that it's necessarily clear either. Yeah. And I mean, even the stuff that she's doing, uh, what's her name? Rita. Is that her name? Andy McDowell's character. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the things like when he's like really he's really pushy mm-hmm. yeah at the house like when you see like the longer scene before it starts cutting into the smaller scenes of like him getting slapped or screwing something up he is really really pushy and it's uncomfortable she um, says no so multiple many times. times yeah it's very uncomfortable she needs to leave and he says like oh just let me show you this one thing and then you know hours later she's there but i think it's meant to be uncomfortable i mean yeah it's problematic but i'm not necessarily convinced that that's you know like that, that i think that was by design um, I, I do too. I think the whole thing is basically to make us feel like even though Phil is being nice to her, he's still not a good guy. His intentions still aren't great. Right, exactly. And my worry is is that you know at the end of the movie he's supposed to be a better person, right? He's grown, he's learned, he's helped all these people and he quote wins the girl because he's now a good person. But did he just get to do a lot of really bad stuff and he just got sick of doing all the bad stuff because he got to do it a thousand times? That could be. Could be. Because he starts I... off bad, right? So we see him do bad things first before we see him do good things. So part of me wonders if he just got bored of all the bad stuff. No, it's a fair question. You know, I mean, how many times can it's you buy problematic this... in itself? Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, how many times can you buy the same Mercedes and steal the same bag of money and sleep with the the same, you know, women under false pretenses that are in the same town? Like, at some point, he runs out of things to do that are bad. Yeah, absolutely. So then I wonder, did he grow or did he just stumble his way into finding something interesting to do that just happened to be good? It's a fair question. And I mean, I think uh, a lot of that comes, you know, lends itself to the things that happened 
on the set, which we don't need to spend a lot of time with, but because we talked about it on the show a little bit before, but the, this movie was what split up Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. They were really good friends, um, worked on a lot of movies together. Uh, and then this movie, because uh, they didn't agree on the direction of the movie, it ended up them not talking for like 20 years mm-hmm. um, because Harold Ramis wanted it to be more serious and Bill Murray wanted it to be more funny. I thought um, it was the other way around. I, th- but- I don't think so. I thought Bill Murray wanted it to be funny, but I could be wrong. Either way, it, it, right. what, a disagreement split them. Uh, after this and they didn't talk to each other apparently there were some blow-ups on set that were really uncomfortable Um, so yeah you know the fact that it's like there's no growth at the end and some of that may be translated through the fact that there was production troubles you know and disagreements between the way the movie actually ends and the way it was originally supposed to end and things like that so and then there's the rumor that we talked about a little bit in chat, or not a rumor, confirmed that Michael Keaton was offered the role. And yeah. I know you have some thoughts on that. Probably both of you guys do. I mean, it's very interesting, right? Like all three of us are fans of Michael Keaton. I don't think that's a secret. Um, but, you know, this would have been post Batman and post Beetlejuice. And so he was a, you know, a very prominent actor at that point lots of people multi-layered too he did yeah. comedy he done serious just like bill murray well but had bill murray done much serious before this movie not yeah, really no. this was the turning point yeah um and so i think i think michael keaton could have done a really wonderful job with it i think he would have brought a very different weight to it for people because at the time like watching it now is a little bit different because we know bill murray's range better but at the time I think a lot of people went into it and saw it more comedic anyway because of who Bill Murray is. And he plays the character very sarcastically, very bitingly. And Michael Keaton could have gone either direction with it, which could have kept the audiences guessing a little bit more about intention or about tone. Um, So I think it could have even been maybe a more complicated movie if Keaton had done it. For sure. What do you think, Rachel? So here's the thing. Um, I think that Keaton would have nailed it out of all the actors that were busy and working during the nineties. I think that if anybody else was going to play this role, Michael Keaton would have been the best because he balanced seriousness and uh, comedy very well. I also think that his career would have not had a slump. You know, Jack Frost basically killed his career for about 10, 15 years. And I think if he would have done Groundhog's Day, he never would have done Jack Frost. He wouldn't have been offered that role. And it would have kept him. We would have seen more Michael Keaton movies. Whereas if Bill Murray hadn't done this film, he and Harold Ramis wouldn't have gotten into a 20-year uh, grudge and we might have gotten Ghostbusters 3 honestly they, they would have done more movies together they absolutely would have because Harold Ramis 100% cast him in movies like all the time he thought of Bill um, also Harold Ramis's career wouldn't have had a slump right Harold Ramis's career had a slump because he had all these options for Bill Murray type films and he didn't do them. So we got 
such tragedies as year one. Don't even remind me. So I actually think that for timeline perspectives, we would have gotten better art had Michael Keaton done this movie. But it may not have been a classic. Groundhog's Day might have been just another film. So that's a really good point. I, I think I think you're right. I think you you nailed it. And I think you know there there are also reports that Harold Ramis wanted Tom Hanks for the role initially, but passed on him because he was too nice of an actor back then. Because Tom Hanks had really only played very lovable goofball type characters. Tom uh, Hanks still hasn't played jerks like Phil Connors is in the first half of the movie. He has played misled heroes. Like the the Captain Sully thing, it, Captain. Like you find out that Sully guy is not the greatest guy in the world, and Walt Disney was not the greatest guy in the world, but on film he's never played a jerk. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's played some serious stuff though, like you know, Road, Road to Perdition, you know, and things like that that are that are darker, that are gritty. Okay, so he is like a villain in Road to Perdition. He is. But he's still not like a jerk. <laughs> I mean, Woody. Woody is a jerk in the first film. I mean, in all <laughs> fairness, I I'm going to Tom Hanks explain my way out of this. Um, okay. Anybody would be a jerk if you're working against Tim Allen. Tim Allen, yeah. They were apparently good friends back when the when that first one came out before Tim Allen <laughs> went a little off the rails, but. But anyway, um, there's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with this. One of the things that uh, we didn't point out, one of the reasons that there was some extra tension is Bill Murray was going through a divorce at the time, and basically mm-hmm. used the movie as like his sole focus and obsession to get through that divorce. And I think that made things very difficult as well. If this movie had been made three years later or three years earlier, it might have not created a problem between him and Harold Ramis. Um, so I think it's just this was the cliche perfect storm scenario to create that divide. And it's it is really sad when you think about it. It really is. And yeah, you know, the, the Ghostbusters fan in me goes, well, maybe we would have gotten Ghostbusters. See, there's a script. There's all these things for it. Um, you know, what could have happened? And I think I agree with both of you guys that Michael Keaton, he you know, we hear a lot of like weird casting that could have happened and things like that. But I think this one is probably the best one that I've heard where I'm almost like, man, that would have probably been equally as good movie, if not better. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray is great. And there were moments where I was like, God, there's no way Michael Keaton would have done this that, that way right. uh, or been able to pull off Bill Murray's thing. And a lot of what you get with Bill Murray is improvisation, right? Like he'll come up with stuff off the cuff. That's awesome. And I think Harold Ramis likes that. And so that's why he went with him in this movie. And maybe Michael Keaton isn't as good as that as he is on that. But um, I don't know. He's he's he had already proven himself to be a good serious and a good comedic actor at this point. So mm-hmm. he could have definitely done a really wonderful job. And I kind of want to visit another reality where that happened just so I can see it because I feel like it's got to be pretty good. I think it might have been a better timeline, and I might just go ahead and do the math and figure out how that timeline uh, avoided us getting Trump. (laughs) I will figure this out. Like the butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. 
We're not in the darkest timeline, but we're in a pretty dark one. Yeah, there so, are lighter timelines where Michael Keaton did Groundhog Day, for example. And more work. Right. Now, what's, oh, what's funny is one of the other actors that was considered for the role that Harold Ramis turned down for being too nice was Chevy Chase, who I think we all know. Turns out he's a huge jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, time, well, I changed. feel like that was easily Bill Murray. He was like, dude. No, 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 no. Chevy Chase is a huge dick. <laughs> well, also at that point, I don't think we, well, have we ever seen Chevy Chase in a serious role? I mean, I don't know that that would have worked out I've, very well. No, I've never seen Chevy Chase do anything. And, even, and at this point, like he was known for like the vacation movies and, uh, or maybe just movie at that point. And I Fletch. Can't Fletch, maybe the three amigos had come out at that point. Um, but yeah, it's it. I don't think he could have pulled it off. Keaton is by far the best secondary to Bill Murray, and he might even be better than Bill Murray. So hard to say. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, anything else that's worth bringing up about Groundhog no. Day? I love it, even if it's not perfect. I love it. Same here. Same. Big big sames. Um, all right. Well, then I guess that's going to be it for us this week. Thank you for joining us for this long episode as we covered a lot of different topics. Next week, we will be back to talk WandaVision Episode 5 and any other entertainment news that comes to be by then. We are, of course, Screen Heroes on the Screen on the screen heroes and the heroes podcast network uh we have a facebook group. <laughs> i just did it we have a facebook group we would love you to join it's called the screen heroes podcast forum please join and talk with us we post news and memes and polls and discussions and spoiler threads and all those types of good things so come join us out there to talk all all movie and tv stuff that you can imagine otherwise you can follow us at screen heroes pod on twitter find the show at heroespodcast.com or anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts on that app of choice and drop us a review. If you drop us a review, we will read it live on the show. I can promise you that I am the star Trek dude. Ray, where can people find you? I am the siren Ray dude. And Ryan, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as at Buster props on Twitter. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to everyone who joined us live. We're live Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. We'll catch you next week, everybody.